I want to read this to you. This is in Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of, of uh, David and Goliath. And uh, David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. That verse, that phrase, I, I don't have time to talk about this, but every time David moved up, he always took care of, of the things that were trusted to him. David rose up early in the morning and he left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army, came and saluted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, there came the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? To defy Israel is he come. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, It shall be done to the man that killeth him. So in verse 25, these men told David, whoever kills Goliath, the king's going to give him a lot of money. The king's going to let him marry his daughter. And basically your dad doesn't ever have to pay taxes again. And so David talked to these guys and, and, and basically said, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? That's 26. 27 says, and the people answered him after this manner. In other words, they just repeated what they just already told him. They told him, and he said, wait, wait a minute. Tell me that again. Money, you get the girl, dad don't have to pay taxes. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, what are you doing here? Why'd you come here? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the naughtiness of thy heart. You're come down that you can see the battle. And David said, what have I now done, and is there not a cause? This, this, uh, this piece of scripture always intrigues me because they tell him the benefits of what's going to happen if you beat Goliath. And David says, would you tell me that one more time? And they go through the whole scenario. 
And so that's, that's my lesson for you today. Tell me again. Tell me again. Job is considered probably one of the oldest books in the Bible. And from the lips of the greatest liar came one of the greatest truths you'll ever read. Because this is what Satan said to the Lord. Doth not Job fear God for naught? In other words, you know as well as I do, he's getting something out of this deal. And the lesson that you can get from this verse is, even the devil knows it cost to serve him, but it pays to serve the Lord. Okay. So in this wild, wicked, and getting very weird world that is dedicated to the destruction of our young people, it is just logical and sane to live the way we live. Is there anybody in this room that knows you have benefited and profited by living for the Lord. Jesus name. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Ah. I never, I never tell Draylen what I'm going to preach about. Invariably, he just always finds me in prayer. And whenever he sings, he always sets me up. Colin did the very same thing today. When our pre-service meeting, he said, all of our songs today are going to be about the benefits and the goodness of God. And uh, talked about his love, talked about his mercy on and on and on. You see, as, as, as Christians, we enjoy the best of both worlds. Because this is what Jesus said, everyone that hath forsaken house, brother, sister, father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. The, the word a hundredfold means 10,000 times more in this life and in the world to come, everlasting life. You thought you only had one or two brothers, a couple sisters. You're filled with a room right now with brothers and sisters. You have the greatest father there's ever been. The church is your mother. On and on and on we can go. You have brothers and sisters on the other side of this planet right now that are sleeping. You can't even pronounce their names. But one day, there's going to be family reunion. It's going to be the greatest get-together we have ever experienced. And I'm here to, to, to motivate you today. Uh, if, if you're not serving the Lord, I, I, I want you to better enjoy this life here. And I've told people for a long time, if, if, if you're not going to serve the Lord, you better enjoy this world because this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. But if you're going to serve the Lord, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. And, and I... I, I uh, I've had a few very close friends die in the last couple of days. And, uh, and 
I, I think of Paul when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, it just keeps on getting better from here on out. David, David's the, the young boy, you know, and uh, his, his, his trip to this battle was an intrusion into the, to the world of his bigger brothers. What have I now done? What, you know, what are you griping about now? What, what did I do now that, that so got you upset? I, I remember in the first Gulf War, you know, George Bush and Norman Schwarzkopf and, uh, when that whole thing, when Iraq invaded Kuwait, the press was given unique access to the battle. And, and they, they, they coined this phrase, an embedded reporter. And they let news reporters literally go in with those soldiers. And it was the first time I ever heard the name Wolf Blitzer. And uh, David, <laughs> David was, uh, was basically an embedded reporter because his dad had sent him there uh, to, to, to get a report, bring back and tell me how your brothers are doing. So David was kind of the wolf blitzer of the Old Testament. But unbeknown to David, his whole life was about to change. And the reason for that change was obvious. David is about to win the favor of the king. There is nothing in this world more valuable than the favor of the king on my life. I want him to look at me and smile. I want the favor of Jesus Christ on my life. And I want people to like me, but nothing will bring greater revival and harvest than when the Lord looks at this church and says, I like their message. I like their worship. I like their standards. I like their zeal. This is what the scripture says. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh his enemies, even his enemies, to be at peace with him. This is what the message says. When God approves of your life, even your enemies will end up shaking your hand. I'm constantly amazed at the things in my life. It, it pays to serve the Lord. I, I, I am amazed at the things I see happening in the lives of our children. But there are generations of people that have preceded them. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, One generation shall praise thy works to another. In Hebrew, it literally means before they're even born, the praise of the previous generation will affect the unborn kids. One generation is going to praise you so loud and so great, the unborn next generation will be affected and hear it. <laughs> For God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory no Good thing will he uphold from them that walks uprightly. Listen to this verse. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I remember dating Renee, and, and I, I, I left Columbus late at night, and it was uh, about a four-hour drive back home, and... Uh, I still remember I got into the little town close to where we lived about six in the morning and I had a key to the church 
And I didn't go home. I just went straight to the church. And I laid under the back pew. I didn't get home, I don't know, till about noon. My mother said, where in the world have you been? And uh, I, I, instead of going home, I went to church. And all I did was beg God, would you please let me marry Renee? Please. I, I, I'm a nobody from nowhere. Everybody knows her family. I'm way down on the food chain here. I've got very little chance of this without your help. Would you please give me Renee? I never wanted to pastor a lot of churches. I only wanted to pastor one. I traveled for many years and asked the Lord constantly. I don't want to, I knew pastors that pastored three, four, five churches, some even more. I never wanted to do that. I just wanted to go to one city, pastor one church, spend my life there. And I was always asking God, would you just let me know where I'm supposed to go so I can get there and just get on with my life? And for years traveling, the last two years, my wheels were down. I was ready to land. I just didn't know where I was supposed to land. I asked God for one thing. Would you give me people that are givers and forgivers? That's what I want. When I pastor a church, would you please fill that church with people that are givers and know how to forgive? So... Look. Look. I didn't know how it was going to happen. My mom and dad were living in a tiny little town and going to a lousy church. And all I asked was somehow, God, some way, would you make it possible for my mom and dad? to spend the remaining years of their life with me. No good thing has he withheld from me. I have healthy children. I have, I have a great life. Delight thyself in the Lord. Do you get it? Don't delight in things. It's not stuff that we delight in. It's delight in the Lord. And he'll give you everything else. Seek ye first the kingdom. And all these things, I like this, shall be added. Serving God is never subtraction. Serving God is always addition. He just keeps adding one good thing. And David said, is there not a cause? And that's his response to the reward of the conqueror. <laughs> you know, his brother said, what are you doing here? And he said, what do you mean what am I doing here? Did you just hear what these guys said? Did you hear what's going to happen to the guy that kicks the fanny of this uncircumcised Philistine? You get money, you get the girl. Daddy don't have to pay taxes. What do you mean, what am I doing here? Man, I just heard one of the greatest reasons in the world. <laughs> I'm here to teach you today that one of the great reasons I'm excited is because I am personally convinced of the reward that's going to come to us because we win this battle. I'm convinced, not only are we going to win, but I'm convinced of the benefits that come from winning that battle. You are not fighting this battle for nothing. God, the Bible said, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. This God that we serve always has rewarded the conqueror. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. To him that overcometh 
will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and a new name. To him that overcometh and keepeth my works, I will give him power over the nations. To him that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Watch, but I will confess his name before the angels. Did you hear that? If I overcome, Jesus is going to talk about me in heaven. Listen to these verses. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. That's Job 1. Now he does it again. Here's 2 and 3. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth, perfect, upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou move against him to destroy him without cause. Not once, but twice did the Lord recommend Job to Satan for the test. How do you have to live in order for God to recommend you for an assignment? Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. Many people don't understand the ramifications of this verse. Let me explain this to you. Here's Genesis 22 and verse 14. It says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, which means God's my provider. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Here's James 2 and verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. No one had ever called the Lord by that name until Abraham did it. But because he pleased the Lord by calling him that name. He said, I'm going to call you my friend. And you get the honor of knowing something about me that no one else knows. Because you and I, ladies and gentlemen, serve the provider. How be it, this, have you ever heard this verse? This is in Matthew 17. How be it, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This verse teaches us that there are some things that will always be off limits to people who don't pray and who don't fast. They're never going to experience it. But when you do pray and when you do fast, you get access to things Nobody else experiences. We had 40, we started this early in the month. We had 42 and a half people in prayer meeting on Monday night. We called it a half because Kelsey and Draylen's little boy, Elisha, was there and he was that long. So we called him 0.5. And, uh, but this past Monday, we had 47 people in prayer. And we're getting more. Our goal is 100. I invite you to be in prayer tomorrow night. Why? Because there are some things you're never, ever going to experience without prayer and fasting. But when you do, it gives you access to things that you go, people go, wow, where'd you get that? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Listen to this. To him that overcometh, Will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Even as I also overcame, 
He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. In other words, you don't have to desire anything in this world because eventually it's all going to be yours anyway. <laughs> Do you realize, I, 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 you know, I, for a couple months we were on this thing about getting out to get in. I showed you in Acts chapter 7 and verse 38, Stephen referred to Israel as the church in the wilderness. And I showed you the verse in Corinthians 10 and 11 that said everything that happened unto them was an example for us. Romans 15 and 4 said the very same thing. Things written aforetime or in the Old Testament were written for our learning. Watch. That we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. Let me, I never did totally get to finish that lesson because I never did really wind it up the way I wanted to. But let me touch on this one more time. Israel is us back then. Everything that happened to them is supposed to teach us a lesson. Before they got out of their world, they spoiled Egypt. It was like, you know, you got 430 years that they're in Egypt. But all of that time wasn't because the Bible said in Exodus 1, Finally, after 300 years, a Pharaoh arose who didn't know who Joseph was. So if they're there for 430 years, and the first 300 years, Joseph's reputation protected them, then you've got 130 years left. It's really, I think, 144, but at the minimum, it's 130 of bondage, slavery, building pyramids, making bricks. It was a bad, bad, bad experience. But before they got out, see, they didn't get paid one dollar for building them pyramids until it was time for them to go. God literally gave them favor with Egypt, and they literally went into Egyptian houses and said, man, I, I like that Wedgwood China. And the Egyptian lady said, oh, let me give it to you. Okay, you know, I, I, love, I, I, I love them drapes. I, 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 love, I, I love them guns. I love that gold and silver. Here, let me give that to you. I, I can prove to you. Where did they get all the stuff to build the tabernacle of Moses from? Because the Bible said it's covered with gold. Did you ever read about the Ark of the Covenant? It's a wood box. But it's covered with gold inside and out. And it's got a lid on top of it that's made out of solid gold. Where'd they get all that stuff? They've been slaves for over 100 years. They literally pillaged Egypt before they left. Because when they got ready to build the tabernacle, Moses said, Okay, bring your jewels and bring your gold, bring your stuff. And they had a big stack of it. Where'd they get that from? They got it from the Egyptians. Listen, 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 this is what the message says. And God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people and so readily gave them what they asked for. Oh, yes, they picked those Egyptians clean. <laughs> Here's the reward you get money, you're going to get a reward. King's going to give you his daughter. Your father's house will be free. David heard that, and then he went, repeat that. T tell me that again. It's like, I I'm not sure I heard you the first time. Tell me that again. And so he looks at Goliath, and he looks at the reward, and the longer he thought about it, the smaller the giant becomes, and the bigger the reward becomes. And David said, before I take on this bully, I want to see the girl. That's what he did. He said, is the king's daughter some snaggletooth old girl that just, you know, 
She don't comb her hair. She bends it, you know. She don't get dander if she gets rust, you know. Just, 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 is she dog ugly? She got a big mole in the end of her nose, you know. Daddy told me one time, what's got 48 arms and 48 legs and a whole set of teeth? The front row at a Willie Nelson concert, you know. Like some of our relatives, they were lying through their tooth, you know. Because she got a full set of teeth. And when he sees Saul's daughter, he goes, wow. <laughs> I get rich. I get to marry her. And daddy doesn't have to pay taxes. <laughs> See the reasons that giants seem so big to people. And our burdens so unbearably heavy and our fears so overpowering and our valleys so uncrossable is because we have not really considered the benefit of the reward. When you start thinking about what the Bible calls the hope of his calling, he's calling, the Bible, he's calling right now. Listen to this verse, it's in Ephesians 1 and 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know the hope of his calling and the glory of the riches of his inheritance in the saints. It's just that there's a calling on your life. And the deal is, if you answer that call, it's not going to be for naught. He's going to pay you off. And when you get in that word and you realize the benefits, not only of just what he'll do for us here, but what's coming down the chute, the longer you think about the benefits, you go, man, this is nothing compared to what I get to experience and what God has promised to me. And that's what I want us to do. Rehearse it again and again and again and again. It amazes me how cheaply I've seen people will trade the Lord and his church. I've seen people sell out. I saw a man years ago that was the head usher of this church. And because he wanted his girls to be able to ride horses in equestrian competitions on Sunday, he literally left and never did come back. He never did tithe, even though he was the head usher. I told him, I said, it's like John Dillinger running the bank. Don't you understand? How can I have you taking and returning money to you and trusting you with money when you're not even a tither yourself? And he said, I can't afford it. Do you know how much horse barns cost? Do you know how much horses are? Do you know how much grain and feed is? Do you know how much it costs to enter these competitions? And on and on. He couldn't return his tithe, but he could purchase a land with a barn and horses. But he couldn't return to the Lord what was his. I've said this for years. I feel sorry for people who don't want to serve the Lord because they're going to hell. And I've said this for years to those people. When you get there, you tell hell. Harold already said, he ain't coming. I hope you don't go to hell, and you won't if you serve the Lord. But if by some terrible chance you go there, you make sure you get this message across to them bums clearly. Tell hell, I ain't coming. Don't expect me there. I'm not going to show up. Serving the Lord is worth it. If you can kill the giant, you're going to be free from taxes. What's that mean? Bonds, shackles. He'll free you. This God we serve is a deliverer. <laughs> we don't sing them now, but when I was a kid, I used to lead song service when I was a teenager. When the world's on fire and darkness veils the sun, I'll live on, I'll live on. Men will cry and to the rocks and mountains run. I'll live on, I'll live on. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'm not out for a stroll. I'm not wandering aimlessly around. I'm on a journey. I'm going somewhere. 
quote, we have a time. When we get over yonder, we don't sing those songs anymore. And if possible, we're forgetting that there's a reward for this. I'm still going to preach gates of pearls, streets of gold in the city where the lamb is the light. I had lunch with Jay Colley a week ago. He got this great job offer from Google in San Francisco. I have a great friend named Mark Morgan who pastors there. I said, Jay, I'll release you if you promise me you'll go to that church. And he's made the commitment to go to Brother Morgan's church. And so I feel safe for Jay. But I had lunch with him while he was here for Christmas break. And he said, Pastor, I heard you talk about that verse. And in, in, I think it's Song of Solomon. talks about the land of fruits and nuts. He said, man, if that isn't California, I don't know anything in the scripture. He said, them people are weird. They're wacky. He said, I've had to change my vocabulary. It's not he or she in San Francisco. Sometimes. Sometimes I have to refer to people as they. Sometimes I have to refer to them as them. And if I don't refer to them with those pronouns, I can literally lose my job for what they call hate speech. He said, Pastor, I'm letting you know right now, I ain't staying out there longer than two years. He said, I'm believing I'm going to make some money and I want you to pray. Maybe God will give me a wife. But he said, I'm telling you right now, in two years, I'm coming back to Michigan. <laughs> I'm coming back to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would bring me greater joy than to have both of my daughters with me here in Michigan. You want to know why? Daddy's here. Mom's here. Her childhood friends are here. Grandpa and grandma are here. You're missing the point. We can become so in love with what we have here. If you get enough of your family over there, that's all you're going to think about. My pastor, Carl, Louis, Carl Porter, Lewis Porter, he, 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 he's there. My grandma, Armina Osman is there. Carl Hill is there. My sister, Vicki Lynn, that I haven't seen in 56 years, she's there. My heroes, Brother Pugh and Brother Mangan, they're there. The longer I live and the more I have to look forward to because I'm getting more friends on the other side than I have here. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. I want to be an overcomer because I'm convinced there's a reward. And I'm here to remind you of that reward. Pharaoh said, all right, Moses, here's the deal. We'll let you go, but don't go very far away. And then he said, okay, if that's not going to work, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll let you go, but, 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 but leave your wife and your kids here. And he said, no, that's not going to work. And he said, well, okay, we'll let you and your wife and kids go, but leave your flocks here. Leave your cows here. Leave your sheep here. You, you, you see, that he's trying to negotiate with, 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 with Moses. You know, it's like, you know, serve the, that's what Satan says. Serve the Lord on Sunday, but on Monday, come back home where you belong. You know, don't go very far from, 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 from my side of this deal. Don't, 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 don't get too radical and don't become some one of them weird, wacky Christians sold out completely to Jesus Christ. I'll let you go for a little while, but don't go very far away. And if that doesn't work, he'll tell you, okay, you men can go, but, but don't expect your wife and your kids to live by your Elizabethan standards and, and do all this weird commitment and consecration stuff. And if that isn't the case, okay, would you leave your Locks here? Would you leave your herds? And, and Moses looks at me. He said, Let me explain something to you, pal. He said, When we leave, we are never coming back. And he said, Not only are we, you, you, you can't have our families, you can't have our wives, you can't have our kids, and you sure can't have our sheep and our cattle because that's my sacrifice. I'm not going to give you my sacrifice. He said, When we leave, we're going by the cemetery and we're digging up Joseph's box and we're going to answer that commitment that he asked years ago to bear. Bury me shallow in Egypt, boys, because I see the day when you're going to leave. And when you leave, take me with you. And Moses said, the kids are coming. The wives are coming. We're taking our sacrifice with us. We are, he said, there's not even going to be a hoof left behind. 
That's the deal we want to make with Satan. You can't have our families. You can't have our sacrifice. You can't have the reputation of our elders. We're still going to esteem our elders. You're not going to get that. We are never coming back. We are never coming back. You're never getting me back again. I got the deliverance from alcohol. I'm never going to have that shackle again. God delivered me from drugs and prescription medication. I'm never going back to it again. God delivered me from despair and depression and dark days. I'm never going back to that again. <laughs> I was on an elk hunt five years ago. I was in British Columbia. I was in the boondocks. I had flown into Seattle, and then I got another plane that flew me into Whitehorse, into the, and then, or not Whitehorse, into, uh, uh, in, I think it was Cologne in British Columbia. And then I had to get on a third little plane, and I flew into a place. And then some guy picked me up in an old pickup truck and drove us for hours hours until late at night and then we got on these on these four-wheelers and drove and drove and drove until I ended up in this plywood shack in the middle of nowhere I was so tired all it was was a piece of plywood with a four-inch piece of foam rubber on it and I laid down on it to go to sleep and I felt something squirming in my back and I lifted up the foam rubber and there was about 20 mice that had made a home in that piece of foam rubber. And I said, well, it's a nice warm spot. You sleep, I'll sleep. I laid it back down and, and, went, and went to sleep. And the next morning, we got in a four-wheel truck, and we went as far up that mountain as we could go. And then we got on a four-wheeler, and we went as far as we could go. And then we started hiking. It took an hour and a half to get to the top of that mountain because you got up at 3, and you had to get to the top of the mountain by 6 when the sun started coming up. And there I was on the top of this mountain as far away from civilization as you could possibly get. And I had my phone in my pack because just in case I shot something, I wanted to be able to take a picture. And all of a sudden, my phone started ringing. And all of a sudden, I answered my phone and, Daddy, did you catch an elk yet? It was Ashley. I was in the boondocks, but that kid got a hold of me. I keep thinking of that old cell phone commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> this is what we're going to tell Satan. We're not going away just for the weekend. We're not going to be in touch. I don't care how often you call. No, we won't be able to hear you. Because when we leave here, there's not going to be anything pulling or enticing me back. I want to say what Paul said. Where's your sting at now? Listen to this verse in the book of Romans. For I reckon, I always love that. That goes over big in the South. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared <laughs> to the glory which is going to be revealed in us. Ladies and gentlemen, you win. You win. And I'm here to just repeat it to you again. It sounds almost too good to be true. I get free from all that. I get to be in the bride. I get the benefit of this. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so very small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face all sorrow will erase. So let us run this race till we see Christ. Come with me. It will be worth it all 
when we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so very small. When we see Christ, one glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So let us run this race till we see Christ. Last Sunday, I have a dear friend named Jimmy Tony. They dedicated their service to the memorial for these five kids from Louisiana that died in a crash on the freeway outside of the Gainesville, right by the Gainesville Church. Right after that happened, a very good friend of mine named Paul Welch, he, uh, he, he, he left. And uh, it's okay to leave if you have somewhere to go. I wrote his dear wife and told him what Brother Tenney told me years ago. Old soldiers never die. They just get promoted. Daddy, I didn't, you were timeless to me. I, I've never known you to have hair. I, I remember as a little kid seeing you comb just a few strands on your head, but they disappeared. You've been bald the whole time I've ever known you, so I never saw you lose your hair. I saw it started to get gray. You've worked hard all of my life. I, I didn't, I, I never could envision a day when you wouldn't have the strength that you had. And you wouldn't run as quickly as you did. But I'm watching that right in front of me right now. I want you to tell, I want to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm grateful for the life that you've lived in front of me. And I do not know how much longer I'm going to have you and mother. But I make a commitment to you publicly in this place. If you precede me, you just wait there by the gate because I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I intend to live my life in such a way that God will smile on me and say, have you considered my servant, Harold? Serve God. It's, it's such a benefit to have a church family. There's such a, I could tell you story after story right now, but man, it's such, we take our, what John said, we take so many things for granted. What a treat it is to have a great church family. I got a call from someone just this past, just a couple days ago, and, and, and they said, oh, Pastor Hoffman, Please tell them people they got it good. Please tell them they got it good. If they would hear some of the lousy preaching that we're hearing now and dealing with some of this craziness in this church that we're dealing with, oh, do we wish we were back in Sterling Heights. And I said, thank you very much. I'm going to repeat that to them right then. And it's just, uh, this, this is a great place to go to heaven from. This is a great place to serve the Lord. There are faithful brothers and faithful sisters my mom wasn't feeling well and 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 my plate's kind of full right now with some stuff that i got going on and 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 all of a sudden debbie campbell said i got this pastor often and made my mom and dad this amazing dinner and and when i saw the dinner that she had made for them not only did it smell incredible it just looked incredible and and i know they enjoyed it and all of a sudden a day after that Lori williams said don't you worry about that i took care of your mom and dad made them this amazing dinner and took all this stuff over there for them i never said anything i just watch you people taking care of one another and blessing one another and doing things just simply out of a desire in your heart to minister to one another. I love you for that. There's such a benefit, such a benefit to be in the church. (laughs) 
Sajith Matthews and Sharon have been coming for the last couple months. Sajith's a wonderful physician at the medical center. He texts me constantly, but he wrote me last night and he said, I'm very sorry, but I have to be on call tomorrow. And he said, I'm so disappointed I won't be in church. He said, I just enjoy being there. And it's like, I want that attitude. I, I, I just, God, so good to us. Put your hand on, if it's appropriate, put your hand on your brother and sister right now. Let's pray for one another, shall we? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, what a delight and an honor it is, not just to work for you, but to work with you. What a delight it is to serve you, God, and to be in the yoke with you. We understand yokes were never solitarily things. They were always twins. You were always in the harness or in the yoke. You said your yoke is easy. And it's such a delight, God, to be in this yoke because I know on the other side, pulling most of the weight is you. I'm just going along for the trip because when I'm under pressure, you're there and you give me peace that passes understanding. And you're there, God, to pull the heavy, do the heavy lifting and pull the heavy load. Lord Jesus, out of obedience to your word, you said if I bless somebody, you would back me up. So I bless my brother and I bless my sister right now. I bless them, Lord, with peace of mind. I bless them, Lord, with peace in their home and in their family. I bless their finances. I bless their work situation. I bless them right now, holy God. You said whatever I curse, you would back me up. So Lord, I curse every wedge and every hurdle and every enemy and every obstacle and every foe that would try to come up against my brother and my sister right now. Lord Jesus, the longer I look at the reward, my giant is getting smaller and the reward is getting greater. I apologize, Lord, for looking at the obstacles and seeing their dimensions and being intimidated by their stature. But right now, God, after hearing your word, I realize I gotta keep my eye on the prize. I gotta keep my eye on the goal, forgetting those things which are beyond, which are before. I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. No man that put his hand to the plow and look back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Lord Jesus, we've got one direction. We've got one way that we're focused. Forward, 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 forward. Don't want to look to the right. Don't want to look to the left. Sure don't want to turn around and look at the past. I want to keep my eye on the goal. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to please you. I'm going to have your favor on my life and on my family and on this church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Uh-huh.